You're listening to the Run For Your Lives podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Daphne. And I'm Pake. And this is the Run For Your Lives podcast. This episode is the romantic horror film Let Me In, directed by Matt Reeves, released October 1st, 2010. So this came out not long after the original film, the Swedish film, like two years. Two years after the release, which means that they must have gotten working on it very quickly. Uh Yeah, I have some production notes that will enlighten us to (laughs) some of the things that were going on with it. I love when we do a double dip because even though we've only done just the one Dawn of the Deads that we did back in, I think, September, I think it's fun to take a look at two interpretations of the source material, see how similar they are, and then see how different. Yeah. With Dawn of the Dead, we saw a lot of differences. With this one, we saw a lot of similarities. Yeah, um, <laughs> for sure. I feel like, go ahead and let, you know, let people know as we talk about this movie. Um, it's kind of going to be spoiling a lot of the original Swedish version of this because, you know, it's double dip stuff. So a lot of the second episode is going to be a lot of comparisons. But yeah, it's it's kind of the same movie beat for beat uh i mean there are def- there are a few differences there are some things that were left out there are some things that were added for clarity but but overall it's very similar they they stuck they stuck to telling the exact same story which honestly i kind of like me too um i don't mean you know sometimes it's great to see different uh versions of things or different interpretations but with this, you know, because there are people, and if you are one of those people, I hope I don't offend you, but uh, there are people out there who just are so opposed to watching foreign films and are, like, scared of subtitles. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and just it just won't go there. And so I, I think it's good in that case that there are some American adaptations that tell the exact same story. So it's a broader audience that gets that story. Yeah, because the uh, the audience for the original film was not that broad. Yeah. So this really brought the story into a more widespread viewing capability, I guess. Um, and that also, I have some production notes on that I will tell you about later. Yeah. So uh, when we get to it in a little bit, you know, breaking down the movie, talking about characters, things like that. I feel like I'll go ahead and let you know if you haven't listened to the original, you know, watch that movie, listen to the uh, original movie last week's episode. Because I think when we're talking about this one, we're going to skip over a lot of things or at least kind of yada yada them because we don't want to rehash the exact same character arcs and stories that we already kind of broke down last week. So I th- I feel like when we talk about a lot of these character things and moments, it's going to be instead of... And then this happened, and I think it means this, and there was this theme. It's going to be more of like, and then they did the same thing here. Yes. (laughs) Yes, but there are a lot of differences. I mean, even though there are more similarities than what we saw when we did Dawn of the Dead, there are a lot of little differences that I think 
they were little changes that were made maybe to connect more with the American audiences. Uh-huh. I'm not sure, but, you know, maybe. They did make changes to some of the things. The director, as you mentioned, Matt Reeves, who has directed other films that we've covered on this podcast. Mm-hmm. He made some changes for specific reasons. And again, got tons of production notes on this movie. In fact, I could probably use an hour to discuss the production notes alone. So <laughs> maybe we should get into this episode. Let's do it. All right. Well, let's start off like we always do with behind the scenes. So the movie was filmed in Moana Condominiums and Albuquerque Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Los Alamos, New Mexico. A remake... This film is a remake, the 2008 Swedish film, Let the Right One In, which was based on the 2004 novel of the same name by John Ivide Lindquist. Matt Reeves, who directed the movie, also wrote the screenplay. The budget was $20 million. It grossed $24.1 million. It's 116 minutes long. Pake, give us a synopsis. All right. Stop me if you've heard this one before. But <laughs> <laughs> a bullied young boy befriends a young vampire who lives in secrecy with her guardian. Yeah, that sounds like the synopsis for the last movie. Only you were a little more vague when you gave last week's synopsis. It was a little more vague than this yeah. one. You didn't mention <laughs> the word vampire. No. Because <laughs> it was still a big secret, like. The breadcrumbs were there, and you had to put the pieces together. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, get into this movie, and we'll do it kind of similar like we did last week with Let the Right One In, kind of breaking down characters, talking about those. Of course, again, I feel like a lot of it is going to be more comparisons. Mm -hmm. and, and Me and, too. And, and talking about certain things, but, you know, we won't rehash a lot of the thematic elements that are touched on or, you know, character... Uh, what what they're doing and what it you know affect, how it affects them necessarily some of it we might but but yeah but we'll just get into it I think just like we did last week we should start with the human main character that we follow the most instead of Oscar we have Owen this time yes that was one <laughs> of the changes that Matt Reeves made was mm -hmm. changing the names of the characters yeah very Americanized names which makes sense. Uh, it's just easier to follow. I mean, it takes place in America. It's so yeah. You, you switch those things up and make that a little easier for for a wider audience to follow. So yes, we get Owen played by Cody Smith McPhee. Uh, we meet him very uh, similarly to some of the things we see. Uh, he's sitting outside in a very similarly designed courtyard in the apartments. <laughs> Almost could be the exact same one uh, in some of those shots. Uh, at least we don't first see him just standing in a window in nothing but tidy whities that's no that's good i'm i'll, I'll take this version <laughs> of introduction to owen instead less awkward um <laughs> yeah i think overall too cody smith mcphee's version of owen was less creepy to me uh i don't know um he's strange and creepy definitely in his own way when we see it's not the opening thing with him but we do get a similar scene to what we where we open with Oscar. Uh, you know, it was like shirtless, check. Knife, check. Creepy, <laughs> threatening, an imaginary person in the room, check. 
Yes. Spying on his neighbors with a telescope. That's new. That's new. new. <laughs> this yeah. really creepy looking mask, also new. <laughs> um, I so I don't know if I would say it's less creepy. I, I feel like he's right there in the creep factor when we first meet him. <laughs> okay. He's a different type of creepy. He's more of a voyeur versus yeah. just a disturbed child. Um. Yeah. And he was watching everyone through that telescope. It was... Mm-hmm. that. I, I guess you're right. <laughs> still now that creepy. I think about it, it's still pretty creepy. Yeah. <laughs> but I had never seen this movie. This was the first time that I watched it. Uh-huh. This is the first time... And having just covered the first, the original film last week, that movie was still fresh in my mind. Yeah. So the comparisons, I think, were pretty, pretty blatant. That mask in particular had serial killer tendencies written all over it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the the one difference was, I think, in the original film... When he was stabbing the tree with it, he call he was saying, "Little pig, little pig." Yeah. And in this version, it's little girl. Like yes. And that was just one of the the differences. Mm-hmm. And it it comes from, it's the same reasoning. Yep. Because he's being picked on by the bully Connie slash Kenny here. Yes. Um, just change of vowel. Um. <laughs> I'm not used to seeing Dylan Minnette in this type of role. I because feel like I've seen it once or twice before. It might have just been this movie when I saw it a long time ago and then forgot that he was in it. Yeah. But yeah, because I like Dylan Minnette a lot, but but he can play quite a shitty little brat when he wants to. Yeah. He did pretty good with it. I- <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I did not realize he was in this movie until it started. <laughs> and I really liked him in 13 Reasons Why. I thought he was great. He's been in a lot. He's been in he's so been, many things. Yeah, yeah, he's had quite a career so, so far, and he's only 25. Mm-hmm. So he's, I think, got a Still lot good. more in the tank, too. Yeah. Yeah. He was really um, believable in this role mm-hmm. as Kenny. One thing I noticed, too, is the type of bullying that we saw in this movie. There were had been changed just a little bit. At one point they had Owen down on the floor and Kenny had pulled his underwear and then poor Owen peed himself. And we didn't see that in the original film. Yeah. Um, I think it was, it was kind of hinted at again with the original one, there was a lot of underlying things that were nods to the source material. And I could be just off, just based off of articles I've read, where I think that was something that in the in the novel, Oscar had issues with with wedding, mm-hmm. maybe he was still peeing the bed or something like that, and and somehow maybe his bullies knew about that, and so a lot of him being picked on was like bathroom related. That's why they put his pants in the urinal and things like that. Yep. So, uh, they, they so that was a kind of a different way of bringing that in in this movie is having him pee on himself as he's being tormented oh man but but it's also very similar where it's i mean kenny's just harping on him solely pointing him out and just giving him a hard time and it does get physical it was still traumatizing to watch the bullying 
They were also in the bathroom versus being outside when he strikes him. Yeah. On the face with a pointer of some kind. Yeah. I mean, you can tell. I mean, Owen's terrified of him. Mm -hmm. Because even later on at the end, which I won't mention now, he has like a split second opportunity and he runs. Yeah. Because he knows what's coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, similarities with with Owen versus Oscar. Yeah, is the... The bullying, which is, again, what you were talking about, like the little pig or little girl. I mean, he's just taking things that his bully, Kenny or Connie, has said to him and using on him. And he's like kind of fantasizing, putting him, like reversing the roles. And mm-hmm. that's, that's so that's even what he's doing with this little girl in the mirror with the creepy mask on or even when they're pulling very much similarly from the first movie, the original where he's stabbing the tree and saying the things to it. And then Abby appears behind him. You know, it's I know. all taken very much there. So I think that's really cool, but that th- that they mirrored a lot of these things, and also his parent situation is very similar. His parents are separated. His mother's kind of aloof a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like she might have a bit of a drinking problem or something in this version. Yeah, um, and his dad and- is really not. We don't meet his dad at all. Yeah. We don't get the scenes of him going and spending time with his dad and having a good relationship. We get one conversation on the phone, which his dad's kind of... Dismissive. Dismissive. There for him in a way to telling him, you know, have a good night. I love you. I'll see you. Maybe come over next weekend. But he's also very dismissive of his questions and is just like, what is your, you know, what crap is your mother filling your head with? Yeah. Just stop it. Don't don't ask me those questions. Don't bring that up. That's not important. Very no. dismissive, and I felt bad for Owen because he he's trying to figure out what's... I mean, I think he knows what's going on, but he's trying in the only way he knows how to talk to the people he cares about to f- process what's going on, and they're not being much help. Yeah. And he really doesn't have anyone else. And very similar to the original movie, Abby isn't just his girlfriend, which she becomes. She's, I think, his only friend, really. Yeah. We never see any other friends. Yeah, he's not talking to anybody. He just kind of goes to school, keeps his head down, tries to survive Kenny throughout the day, and then and then head home. It's so sad. But very much like the original film, he does learn Morse code to communicate with Abby. But even before that, I've kind of skipped over a bunch of things. So <laughs> That's all right. We jump around a lot. <laughs> this is House of Pain. We jump around. Um, uh- <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, him seeing Abby for the first time is also very similar. While he's being a shirtless creep weirdo up in his room, uh, where he looks out the window and sees the new neighbors moving in, uh, notices her walking barefoot through the snow. The difference here is he has just been caught by the neighbors creeping on them. So there's a little moment for him. Um. By by this movie's Virginia or Ginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Very different. <laughs> yes. We don't get to know the neighbors quite as well in this one. No, not so much. But yeah, he meets Abby. Very much exactly the same way. Yeah, like I said, he's threatening this tree. Uh, and Abby appears behind him, 
you know, watching him, uh, almost exactly the same shot, maybe a kind of yeah. a different angle, but you know, the tree was like on the right side versus the left and she's, you know, like, but they like mirrored the shot, but it was almost exactly the same. It was, I feel like it was shot for shot. Yeah. Really. And then even having her tell him, you know, we can't be friends and having that, well, she said, I wanted to be friends with you anyway. Like they pulled a lot of the exact same dialogue, which is really yeah. cool. He does not have a snot problem in this uh, movie. No, so that's good. No. He's got a now and later addiction instead to replace yes. that. Yes, he does. <laughs> and he sings the uh, jingle over and over again at different times. Like he sings that throughout the movie at yeah. different times. <laughs> yeah. Um, we do have the police presence. The policeman is a new character for this movie. Yes. This version. He kind of fills in the roles of some other characters. But again, you know, we have the police at the school informing the children about local murders. Uh, I, <laughs> again. I don't know why we're doing that. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's like they did say that the kid that was killed in the first the first time had recently graduated from this school. Yeah. But like still, it's like that doesn't warrant an assembly of children to be like, hey, this no. kid that most of you don't know, he's dead. Ah, like, <laughs> I don't know what that what that does for these kids. Um. <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting because when they were do- when he was giving the speech, the bullies were laughing in the back like it was no mm. big deal. Yeah. Like life didn't mean anything to them. Yeah. And Owen was just kind of looking at them. Like, he just didn't understand. Like, they were just finding it humorous. Mm-hmm. Um, the caretaker, Tommy, or Thomas, the caretaker. Where do, <laughs> I'm going to ask where you pulled that name from, because I didn't see that anywhere. Uh, He's just credited as the father anywhere I looked. But- okay, well, <laughs> um, that came when I did the research on the uh, notes. Okay. <laughs> that, that I had, because it says, oh, I took that note out, so it's not there anymore. Tommy. Thomas is his name, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'll go with it. Like I said, I didn't see that anywhere, but sure. Uh, <laughs> so she all of my notes, he's just, he's just the father. Uh, even though she does say he's not my dad, he's not my father, but that's what he's credited as. That's what people kind of think of. yeah. Um, that was again something that drove us in a direction of understanding about mm-hmm. the ending and what it really means. Yeah, for sure they did clear that up. Well, I'm sure we will talk about that later because uh, I've got. He's named Thomas in Let Me In in the um, graphic novel that came out. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they gave yeah. him a name in something that came out after the movie. Got it. Yes. Okay. Because uh, it's a prequel. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've got all these notes, and I feel like maybe I should have just read them at the beginning. (laughs) Because there's all these things that help things make more sense. Yeah. But we see a different caretaker in this. Yeah. In this. His version... I like Richard Jenkins in the role. Yeah, me too. I did. I really liked him in that role a lot. He was endearing. There was a moment where she's putting her hand on his face. Mm Mm-hmm. And he puts his hand on her hand. That really led me to believe, okay, they're going to do this. They're going to actually show us that Thomas is a little boy, all grown up. But Mm -hmm. he met Abby when he was 12. Yep. So they have that 
connection, only Abby is still 12 or appears to be 12 and he's in his mid fifties. Yeah. So here's where I'll go ahead and skip to this. Cause again, has to pay jumping around everywhere. Um, it, it made me think, cause we, I think I brought this up a little bit last week, but it made me really want to question it and kind of go down this, this line of thinking, you know, when, I'll call him Thomas, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> uh, when, when he asks Abby again, do not see the boy. I, I'm wondering, is like, is there jealousy there or is it more for their safety? Or I is think it it's for, jealousy. For Owen's safety. Um, and here's why for Owen's sake, his future. Because again, this is kind of bring up this story, this question that I had and I'd seen, which, you know, let's get dark and sinister, maybe a little frustratingly sad. Uh, what if? Abby slash Ellie Ely, you know, is the true villain of this story that maybe the feelings are true to some extent, but there's a, you know, a sinister reason for the feelings and the connections that she builds with people, you know, cause she doesn't really start becoming friendly with Owen or Oscar. Um, until her current familiar has shown that he is not going to be capable much longer. Then she That's starts, true. then she starts reaching out to this new neighbor boy. Is she grooming a new familiar? Everything, the friendship, the connection, killing his bullies and running off with him. All of this. Is it all just part of a plan that she has in place for her own survival? Honestly. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I think she does care. Because but, she yeah. she wants to pick someone that she cares about that she will that she connects with. Yeah, if you're going to spend that much time with somebody, it's got to be somebody that you want to spend that time with. But yeah, but also I think there is a, a, a selfish side of it, as in she's you know she might love this person to some extent, but it is a selfish self you know a lot self preservation a lot of her for her to gain. As she yeah. needs somebody that she can use. Yeah. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. I mean, she could be the true villain. I mean, it's... she was a child. And there is a deleted scene, again, production notes, <laughs> that shows how she was turned into a vampire at a young age. And I haven't watched it. I should have maybe before we recorded. But they didn't put it in the film for... Reeves didn't want to put it in after all, even yeah. though, you know, they filmed it. That shows her becoming a vampire. And she's definitely a female child that's turned yeah. into a vampire. Because they, uh, they didn't go in that direction they, in did, this they, movie. They hinted at that direction. Like, they, they played with it. And there are references to mm -hmm. the, to the uh, source material which again, we won't go into too much. If you listen to last week's episode, you know exactly what we're talking about. Um, yeah. There are references to it, but I think, as I kind of assumed, you have to conservatively Americanize things a little bit. And yeah. There would they, have been outrage if this they, had been in the They theater. don't go in that direction. Uh, I think there are little hints that if you know, you know. Mm -hmm. But any other person going into this movie first with no knowledge of that, would not pick up on them in any way. No. When she tells him multiple times, I'm not a girl, what she means is, I'm a vampire. Like, I'm not. Yeah. In the other one, 
It had a dual meeting. Yes. Dual meeting. Yeah. And even the way that they handle it with when she says that instead of, you know, in, in, in right one, we have Oscar being like, oh, that's okay. I still love you. Yeah. And with this one, it's more Owen, like, not believing her and questioning her and being like, Psh, whatever. I don't know what you yeah. If you don't want to be my friend or you don't want to be like my girlfriend, then just tell me. Don't make up just some ridiculous me. stuff. Yeah. You know, like it's, they don't, yeah. they don't go that direction with it. Um, I mean, we do get the scene of Owen peeking in on her changing. Yeah. But they don't show anything. There's not, they don't say anything. There's nothing really lingered on. There's a little bit, a like small shot of like a look of shock on his face. Yeah. But it's not mentioned or touched on any more than that. Like, there's no explanation for what that was. Yeah. So the audience doesn't know. We don't know what it what was intended Yeah. in that scene for him to have seen. Yeah. And it gets glossed over real fast because as soon as Abby comes out, the mom comes home and Abby is out the window and next door, just yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but uh, what you did mention, yeah, is this going to that theory of her finding a, a kid her age and then kind of grooming them as a familiar and, and staying with them is, yeah, you talked about like Richard Jenkins character. We get that confirmation that we did not get. We questioned, you know, I remember last week talking about like, I wonder if Hakan had been with her since he was a kid. And in this movie we're seeing, yeah, I mean, there is a photo strip of them together mm-hmm. when he was a like 12 year old boy. Cause you can recognize it's him by the birthmark under his eye. Yeah. And Owen recognizes that immediately and knows exactly what's going on. That's when he it scares him and he leaves that night because he goes, you're going to let me leave? You know, it's like, what What do you want? What are your plans? What are you going to do with me? And, mm-hmm. you know, she does let him go. But I think even he kind of saw like, am I being used here? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. And I I think that is the case. I think he loves her and he will do whatever she needs for him to do. And right now I don't think he can run out and kill people for her, Mm-mm. but in the future he will do that because yeah. he, he's infatuated. He's yeah. connected to her. She's what he has. He's left his home, his mother, his father, he's left everything he knew, which wasn't the greatest life, but what he's going into is not going to be the greatest life either. They might have some happy time at first because they're the same age, but it's not going to last. Right. Because he's going to age and she's going to let him age. It makes me wonder if Tommy wanted her to change him Mm -hmm. and she didn't. Yeah. And if maybe Owen will want the same and she'll refuse. Yeah. I don't know. You know, and was Thomas... A lonely boy, too. Right. So I'm not sure. It's kind of dark. <laughs> you really go into that. You're like, meh. It should be like a sweet ending in a weird, twisted way. Yeah. Like, like last week, I said, until you like really look at it further past that. And you're like, but what does that mean for the future of this kid as he grows up? And it is a lot darker. There were some definite hints, too. When she comes in to sh- and shows him what will happen if he doesn't invite her in, but she comes in the room anyway, he's cleaning up all of that mess. Mm-hmm. We see him cleaning it up and I'm thinking that, you know, that's exactly what's going to happen. This is the first time he's cleaning up after her. 
Yeah. And it's going to continue. Like, this is part of the role that he's going to play in yeah. her life going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. <laughs> we, yeah, real deep. Real so, dark. Uh, yeah. So, again, with, with Owen, you know, trying to see what else is, is left. We've, we've talked about – a lot of it is just with those two similarities and things we've yeah. talked about. I've, I've mentioned it before, but, yeah, the, a lot of the same dialogue. So I have little things that I mentioned, you know – that you leave, I've lived here longer. Uh, the whole Rubik's Cube connection between mm-hmm. the two of them is exactly the same. Um, the whole, you know, how old are you? 12, more or less. And mm-hmm. you ever had a birthday? You get presents on your birthday? All of these lines are like pulled directly from right one, which is He He tells her that she doesn't smell good. Like she smells funny. Yeah. <laughs> and so she, when she comes back the next day, she's cleaner and asks about how she smells. Right, because she had fed on the person under the tunnel, under the bridge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the Morse code, uh, the hit back. Well, what if they, you know, there's three of them. Well, then hit back harder. Hit back as yeah. hard as you can. And they, all of that is the same beats are, are taken on. Some things are expanded on a little bit, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it's, it's There's this Romeo and Juliet connection. I liked that, which. I really did too. Yeah, yeah. The class is watching Romeo and Juliet and one of the lines that they are watching when it's playing in classroom is the, I must be gone and live or stay and die, which is what Ely wrote to Oscar in let the right one in. Yeah. I wondered if you were going to catch that. And then of course, yeah. Then Abby writes that to Owen here. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was a Shakespeare quote last week. Bad Pake. How dare I? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't either. (laughs) So that was interesting. I was like, Oh, that's from Romeo and Juliet, which then, uh, you know how Ely knew that. I mean, she's been around for a long time, so she's she's known Romeo and Juliet, I'm sure. Yeah, easily. You know that's that's something that you know once you've been around a while. Because uh, even in this one, when Abby's kind of like, "Oh, Romeo and Juliet," like the way she looks at it, she's like, "Oh, you you know you've got Romeo and Juliet." She's like, "It's a classic." <laughs> yeah, I remember when he wrote it. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for the. the- <laughs> The release party at Barnes and Noble. Um, (laughs) 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 Oh, man. But a lot of those, yeah, uh, Owen signing up for after school strength training. Yes. Is the same. Uh, What's a little different is he kind of takes her to like this like arcade store area. I mean, he does take her out to get candy. But with this one, there's a little more. He's playing arcade games with her. There's a little more socialization. But it's the same thing as, like, you know, getting the candy. And then she decides to take a piece. But then we see her throwing it up, which then brings Mm -hmm. their connection together closer. Uh (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't realize you could bond with your significant other over vomiting. Right. Something Uh, new, I guess. Buying the candy at the register, I guess, I know it's it's uh, Chloe Grace Moretz's brother, Colin Moretz, who's playing. Yes. But all I could think, I'm like, is Boy George running the register here? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> you know, I made a note about the 80s references in the fashion and the other pieces were mm-hmm. much more, I think, yeah. visible in this film. Oh, yeah. The music, for sure, was a big part. Yeah. Well, Tommy really loved listening to Let's Dance. I, uh, I was wondering, <laughs> was that the same, like... Like Walkman, like the music player that the weightlifting jogger guy that was murdered, because he was listening to music while jogging when he comes through the tunnel and runs into Abby. 
So I guess when Tommy has to hide his body, did he just lift that and be like, well, this is mine now? I and think I will he listen did. to music. <laughs> <laughs> he likes Let's Dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always leave the captions on when I watch movies for the podcast now because mm-hmm. I don't want to miss anything. Yeah. And it will always <laughs> put little things like that. A song plays faintly in the background. Like, yeah. You know, barely audible. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. The way Tommy kills people, though, it's a little bit different. Yeah. A it's lot a of. a lot different. <laughs> the, the deaths and the, the violent scenes or all a little more brutal, a little more intense yeah. in this version. Uh. <laughs> yeah. He does take him out. Um, the first victim, he kills him by getting into his car in a parking lot, mm-hmm. hiding. And then when they pull up to a tra- to the train tracks, he kills him. But he's not quite dead because he's still breathing. You can see his breath uh-huh. when he's upside down. He's got like down. this like... Like, um, it's like chloroform, like chloroform. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. But like not with the red, but it's just like in a bottle and he just like yeah. holds it under their nose and then they pass out. Uh, yeah. Which I think the hiding in the backseat thing is fucking creepy. Uh, yes, definitely an, a, an interesting, creepy touch. Uh, of course, I had, like one little nitpick on that as I'm like, okay, but then when you jumped out and like attacked him wouldn't the car start rolling towards the train? Cause like he was just on the brakes and I don't yes. think he's going to remain standing on the brakes while no. he's being grabbed and attacked. So yes, no, he's not, <laughs> he's not, but he does drag him out out into the woods or off somewhere mm-hmm. to hang him upside down. He gets all this blood in a, in a jug and then he's just as incompetent as the other one. Right. I was like, there's no dog stopping this. I mean, it's the same, yeah, hanging upside down in the snowy forest, draining the blood into a container. Check, check. Yep. Uh, but yeah, where it is different. He just like trips and falls and just like. <laughs> and it goes rolling down rolling. the hill. At least he like didn't leave the container behind. He at least grabbed it and yeah. brought back what was left in it. <laughs> not much, but at least he did try. Yeah. Yeah. Still not, yeah, not, not much was left in there. Enough for Abby to be pissed off at him. He he did take care of Abby, the body of the jogger that Abby killed. He did take care of him the same way, though. He dragged oh, yeah. him out and put a pole on him, and the body in this one didn't look any better than the other body. Yeah, it was exactly the same. What was <laughs> resuscitation, Annie again? Yeah, the the note that I have, I said, you know, and, and he has to go hide the jogger's body. Might I recommend p- picking a place that's not an ice skating location for a bunch of children? Nope, that's what yeah. you're going to do again? Okay, cool. Uh-huh. Uh- <laughs> yeah. And, he, and the pole holds him down. Of course, it's the same pole that Owen grabs. Mm-hmm. But Owen learns something about his bullies that we didn't learn in the other movie with Oscar. He learns that Kenny is picked on by his brother. Mm-hmm. And his brother calls him Little Girl. Yeah. And so you get to see that it's that repetitive behavior. Mm-hmm, exactly. That it's just, it's Kenny, his older brother picking on him and using that kind of terminology, calling him those names. Then it's it's fueling Kenny to want to be in control and take out his frustration on someone like Owen. Mm-hmm. Doesn't excuse his behavior at all, but it explains it, you know, yes. uh, which that we see again, Owen likes watching things. Uh, 
You know, Owen kind of does enjoy seeing Kenny being the one getting picked on, though. Mm-hmm. It brings him just the slightest bit of joy. I think that's what that's what my note says. <laughs> it brings him the tiniest bit of joy. Yeah. But then, yeah, similarly to the, you know, original version, Owen whacks the shit out of Kenny, splits his ear. Uh, and then while Kenny's over there screaming, he's got to suffer a little bit longer because people care about the dead body finder being found in the ice yes. a little more than they care about him. Uh, yes. <laughs> and then similarly... Uh, Owen taking Abby to... Now, I have it as Tommy's secret lair. Not the same Tommy. Not the same Thomas. Because uh, the only name Tommy that I have here is that was the name of a kid that used to live in the same apartment complex that yes had this really cool little hangout area that him and his high school friends would go down to smoke, smoke and drink. Mm-hmm. And then would he would play ping pong with Owen when his friends weren't around. So yes. Owen continues to come down here and kind of have this little hangout area where there's music and hangout spot brings Abby down there and it's very much similar to the other one uh, he wants to make this blood pact which of course sets her off in kind of this frenzy mode so to protect him she runs off and then poor Virginia is there to quench the thirst <laughs> until Abby's yes. chased away Yeah, and the cop who we haven't mentioned in a long time mm-hmm. is trying to put the pieces together about all of these Murders and situations. Yeah. Man, the blood packed thing. That with like prosthetics and how they do certain things, but man, that cut he cut deep on his thumb. Yes, he did. It was very hard for me to watch. You know how I don't do yes, very well I with that know, stuff. Yes, you're not big. I was on like, that. no. I was just like as I was like, ah, no, why? Why? <laughs> why would you do that to me? Ugh. You can deal with the blood as long as you don't have to see something I, going in, right? Right. I don't if there's just I mean, even, like, the most gory and brutal, like, stabbings and beheadings and whatever, I can handle it. It's, Mm -hmm. like, the small little injuries that aren't going to kill a person, but are just, like, look gruesome and are slow and, like, slicing through something or, like... It's it's the stuff that would be incredibly painful but would not kill you that I have a hard time with. (laughs) Well, you know, that it reminds me, when I was little, my grandfather came over to help construct this float for this mini parade contest mm-hmm. and he was using chicken wire and he cut his thumb i passed out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was just a kid and i passed out because uh-huh. i love watching horror movies and i'm down with all of that but sometimes we all have a limit yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah man but yeah, and then Owen, after the attack, which we could talk about Abby specifically a little more and Virginia a little bit more. But after this happens, you know, Owen's back up in his room and he's seeing, I mean, Virginia being taken to the hospital and the police are there trying to figure things out. Or, you know, the jogger's body's been found. So now the police are looking through that apartment and going door to door and trying to figure out like, okay, we've centralized that something is going on here at this location. Everything's mm-hmm. kind of cracking down. So Owen is freaked out. And then he makes that choice, but to to kind of remedy that is he goes and confronts Abby, goes to see her. Mm-hmm. He has easily put all the pieces together and knows what she is. And it's that same thing. You a vampire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've kind of figured the it out at this point. The only time, the only time that that word is mentioned in this whole movie, mm-hmm. like the original, 
is yeah. the one time that he asked the question. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's kind of all of my Owen specific notes that I have. You've got more. Well, it ve- very similarly, as we've talked about, it goes all the way to the end. And Owen, in the Oscar role, does the ver- very same things that mm-hmm. we saw from the other movie. Yeah. The one thing I wanted to mention that I thought was comical is when he's sneaking out to go and see Abby, his mother is asleep on the couch and on the TV, it says, it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? Right, yeah. (laughs) Like, yep. (laughs) I liked that. Yeah, nice nice little nod there. uh, To just kind of the times. I said, yeah, I can say like 80s, but I mean, even I'm a 90s kid and I remember growing up with that even too. You know, the 10 o'clock news would come on as a kid and it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? They don't really do that anymore, do they? Um, no, they don't. Maybe they should. Because either in the <laughs> now in you know the age we are in now, uh, either 10 p.m. is just not that late for a lot of kids anymore, or all parents is like, of course I know where my kids are. I have a tracker on them in the form of their phone at all times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, they do. That right. is true. Gosh, I was I couldn't be. Uh, a 12-year-old, and even awake at 10 p.m. <laughs> like, yeah, that didn't happen. I, I remember those days of just being mad at my parents, not understanding that, like, around that age or a little younger, when I was, like, t- you know, nine, eight, nine, ten, especially because in the summers in Texas, in, in, you know, central time zone in Texas, it doesn't get dark outside until after 9 p.m., almost 9.30 p.m. sometimes in the summers. And being like, you know, seven, eight o'clock, it's bedtime. And I'm like, it's freaking daylight outside. Why would you make me go to bed? Like, so I understand. Like, <laughs> yeah, I could be that... out there playing with my friends right now. Yes. Riding bikes. Oh, my gosh. I, the island I grew up on, you, we'd be out riding our bikes just about until dark. And we always hated it when my mom, you could hear her yells and said it's time to come in we hated it Mm -hmm. because you didn't want to go inside because after you go inside it's going to be time for bed yep just wanted to stay outside and play no one Mm -hmm. wanted to do that now everyone's on the xbox or the playstation 4 or 5 because there wasn't like necessarily (laughs) like a time frame but yeah like in a lot of around the year it became that thing it's like you know you just go out and play outside with your friends and be going it was like and it was when the street lights came on on the street. Yep. You, That's when yeah. you have to come back. But then, you know, in the summers, it was different because they didn't come on until pretty late. Uh- <laughs> I know. And it's not the school year. So why can't you go exactly. to bed later and sleep later? So what am I going to be doing tomorrow? <laughs> Chores. Just, Damn it. Chore. Yeah. Not anything fun. <laughs> I am not a morning person. So summer was my favorite time of year. <laughs> Just because I could sleep in. Sleeping in was just... If I could get anything, I wanted to sleep in. Like, that is the one thing that I always wanted. Mm-hmm. I hated when my mom woke me up for school because I... Daphne, it's time to get up. I couldn't stand it. I just <laughs> wanted to sleep. Oh. It's like, it's too early. <laughs> I was just at my dad's house and we were reminiscing about... 
getting him getting me and my brothers up for school and things <laughs> in the morning and the things he would have to do, the things he I mean, my dad was especially after my mom passed away, and it was just him trying to do it on his own for a little while. He was a no bullshit kind of guy. He'd come in and all right, you're getting up. And if we didn't, he'd wait like five, ten minutes. And then he'd give us a second warning, and if it didn't work, he would fill up a glass of water from the sink and throw it on us. Oh, my god! And then we were out, and it, so I was, you know, me and my brothers were outside talking with my dad at his house a couple weeks ago, and just reminiscing on those things, and he was laughing about it. We were laughing. He was like, it got to the point where, like, I'd come in, and you wouldn't get up, and he's like, I wouldn't even have a glass in my hand anymore. He's like, I would just go to the kitchen and just turn the faucet on and I'd hear you <laughs> just hear your feet padding, getting into the bathroom or whatever. It's like, it's like, it's just got the point. I just have to turn the water on and I won. Yeah. 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 My mom had a way where if we were getting in trouble or she wanted us to do something, she would say, I need you to do this. And we would just wouldn't do it. But as soon as she said my father's name, that was it. We were doing whatever she told us to do because we didn't want dad to get involved. Mm -hmm. Definitely did not want him to be involved in the situation at all. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy. And there's a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Where were we? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was yeah. just saying if you had any extra. Oh, and stuff before I jumped into. I feel like. um. That was pretty much all I had. Mm -hmm. I did notice in this film, one more thing. I did notice in this film, he hides the cop's body in the secret hideout. Yeah. And when she leaves and is gone, at night he looks out at the jungle gym outside and he cries. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I realized she's not just his girlfriend. She's the only friend he has. Mm -hmm. So sad. Yeah. Man. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, talk more Abby specifics. Um, I did notice something a little interesting. The first time when she's yelling at her familiar. Voice. Wasn't her voice like very, like a man's deeper voice? Yes. And that's what I was wondering. It was like. Are they going all the way in that direction with her character and who's her backstory and things? Maybe that was something they did want to do and then realize mm, we can't do that in 2010 in America. Um, yeah. And change things. I don't, I don't know. I was like, man, I don't remember. But it was very much because even like I also watch with the captions on and she's yeah yelling at her caretaker and it says man's voice, but it's her yelling. Yeah. Because that's what Owen's hearing. And so I was like. They, yeah. swerved, they swerved from that really quick. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. But I did take note of it. But yeah. So uh. <laughs> did you have any notes, more notes on Abby? Because I feel like they were kind of intertwined the whole way through. But was there more beyond the strange voice? Because I noticed that as well. Oh, yeah. I've got a whole thing on her. I'm sure I've touched on some of it. But I'll, I'll run through real quick and see what I have. Uh, okay. A lot of similarities again. Um you no, know, see mm -hmm. that she's starving. That's, you know, while, while Owen's saying, you smell funny. And we hear her stomach just rumbling. Yeah. And so she has to do it on her own, under the bridge, feigning the need for help from a stranger. Uh, very similar setup to the other guy uh, in the other movie. Her attack was a little extra brutal with the help of some CGI that did not hold up very well. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I think after... You know, she snaps his neck as she's drinking the blood. The the vampire eyes, a lot of the prosthetics and practical effects were super great. 
I think they did a really good job on that stuff. Uh, there's no man of a million cats watching her do this, though. So. No. And that, <laughs> I really enjoyed that in the last movie. Right. Gusta, I think his name was, with all mm-hmm. of his kitties. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about the their friendship solidifying after Abby's throwing up candy. Um, the would you still like me if I wasn't a girl line. Yeah. Uh, again, this movie kind of swerves that a little bit because... Owen just kind of stumbles on that question a little bit. Like, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Why would he ask that? Like, Owen is not the, uh, you know, very openly, you know, open to anybody person that Oscar was. Um, He's a little more weirded out by those things. Oscar didn't really care at all. I think he just was, had that connection. And let's see. I mean, they have the, the scene laying down in Owen's bed with a lot of the exact same lines of, you know, you're not wearing anything. You're freezing. Is that gross? No. You know, it's yeah, all it's the all same, the same. same dialogue uh, with the, I'm not a girl line there again. Uh, and yeah, I talked about that where he just kind of doesn't believe her. So it's kind of changed a little bit there. She leaves the, the Shakespeare quote on the now and later rapper, mm-hmm. uh, which again, I, I didn't really get it fully last week when we were talking about it. Because I think the way we kind of broke it down then was like she was thinking like I can't get connect- I can't get too close to this kid I have to leave. I don't think that's what it was at all. Watching this movie, I don't think she's saying she has to leave forever. At that point, she's still very much in it. I think it was a very literal message of I had to leave your room before you got up because if the sun if I was still there after the sun rose it would literally kill me. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> we see that with Virginia later. Yeah. It was a very different scene, though, in the hospital. Oh, man. She's sucking on her arm, like, she feeding yeah, off herself. They were t- because they had just, you know, her husband had said they just transplanted six pints of blood into her. Yeah. So it's not her own blood. It is literally, like, yeah, like, donated blood from somebody yeah. else. So she's drinking this transplanted yeah. blood out of herself. Man, yeah, that whole scene was much quicker, but also much more intense. Uh, it was. You know, that the and nurse... The nurse Opening the blinds, setting her on fire similarly. But even the nurse goes up in flames so fast yeah. before anybody can do anything. Like It was just so brutal and sad. Yeah. To see. Yeah, they still included that little story plot line, but they sped yeah. through it a lot faster. They didn't spend a yeah. lot of time on it. Well, because we didn't get to know any of the neighbors, really, other than through... Mostly it was through Owen's voyeuristic tendencies. Yeah. I don't know if voyeuristic is actually a word, but I've I made think so. it one tonight. I think, I think that's correct. <laughs> um, let's see if I have anything. I didn't realize the jogger was the weightlifting neighbor until after the police were going through his apartment. I was like, oh, that is the same guy. That, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which you can see as they're going, like, knocking on the door, like, Abby's worried, which she should be. <laughs> like, man, her familiar was getting pretty sloppy at the, at the end there. Yeah. So. Who knows what he forgot and what could he's not. He was not good. Like he was yeah. pretty much almost as dysfunctional as the other one. Mm-hmm. I thought her kiss shirt was really freaking cool. Such a shame. Yes. It had to get covered in blood from the invitation experiment. Yeah. You call it that. Uh, that was a very cool t-shirt. Yeah. It was, it was kind of a sweet moment. If you want to call it that uh, with Abby saying that Owen, you know, knowing that Owen wouldn't let her die. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that, that was that was nice. He said uh, the policeman, we brought him up a little bit, that he's new to this version of the movie, but he plays kind of the same role as the original Virginia's husband. 
where he's putting yes. things together that leads him to Abby and he comes into the apartment. All while Owen is there. It's all the similar beats of finding her in the tub and then as he's opening up the window, which would kill her, Owen you know, shows up and distracts him, giving Abby the time to, to get the jump on him. And it's yeah. the same thing. And then he goes down uh, and, and Owen just kind of, and with, you know, right one, we have Oscar kind of just going to the other room and letting Abby do her, or Ely do her thing. And this one, Oscar, uh, God, I'm going to keep mixing them up. You know, and this one, Owen is watching kind of in horror a little bit. And then as he goes to the door, there's that moment where the officer is still alive and is reaching out to him for help. And you see him reach his hand towards him. But then he just grabs the handle and shuts the door. And closes the door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, really, the I don't have Abby specific is more as like it's just things that she was doing uh, that have to deal with Owen, too. So, again, we talk about the end, the, the pool massacre. Uh, that scene is very similar as well. Jimmy's hand. They even use the same name. Jimmy is the older brother. Jimmy's hand that's holding him down, kind of just detaching the blood floating down, uh, kids being dragged across the top of the water. However, what was new that I liked here was the shattered glass from the ceiling where Abby came through, kind of sprinkling down sprinkling and falling in. into the water. I liked that. was a really cool touch. Uh, and she didn't leave anyone behind this time. No survivors. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's over. Yeah, poor Owen. I mean, they light the fire in the dumpster. I don't remember. Did they lock the doors so no one could get back in? I didn't think. That I don't they think did. it showed that one in the other one. No, but they the minute they lock the doors, and then they go into the gym and the and, minute they locked the door. Oh. Yeah, the minute. <laughs> <laughs> My main accent. Um, so I was lo- I was just more making a pun on the the Kenny actor's name. Um. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. So they lock the door into where the pool is and poor Owen has just no time but he flies out of that pool and and runs and gets his locker open and grabs his stuff and is trying to get out of there mm-hmm. as quickly as possible but of he course he goes for the are, knife which not a not. big knife i think that uh oscar had a bigger knife yeah yeah i did that ni- that knife is not big enough yeah but it was it was brilliant then cuz jimmy takes you know, Owen's knife from him. And that's the knife that he's threatening to stab his eye out with. But yeah. you know, there's a touch. I mean, they, they just grab him by the legs and drag him back to the pool. And even after Abby comes in and just brutalizes all of them, when you see Owen crawl out of the pool, I mean, there are scratches and, you know, wounds and stuff on his back from when he's been dragged across the concrete all the way back to the pool. Yeah. It was, it was pretty brutal. So sad. And then we get the same exact same train ending to this one as we get. Mm-hmm. Which I again, thought it was a yeah, bus please. at first, and then I realized it was a train. <laughs> yeah, which we were led with the same questions. You know, we're like wrapping up, like, oh, how sweet, except it's not in any way at all. It is you really not think sweet. about it. It isn't. Uh, <laughs> it isn't. It kind of pretends. It kind of pretends to be a love story, like with this romantic piece of her coming to save him and yeah you know young love but no still a better vampire love story than twilight yes <laughs> yes <laughs> hopefully our listeners agree with that 
They may or may not. <laughs> no, I don't know. I've only seen the first Twilight movie. I don't care. It's just the memification of that sentence, and I had to use it. Uh, <laughs> I think I told you my Twilight story where I was at the movie theater, and I think it was the first movie. And these girls were in front of me, and they asked me what team I was on, if I was team um, Jacob or Edward, I uh-huh. think the names were. And I said, I'm neither. I'm team Eric from True Blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yep, that's my vampire uh, preference. Yeah. <laughs> yep, Alexander Skarsgård. Yep. There you go. It's a good choice. Yeah, yep. I thought so. <laughs> Eric Northman. I've never seen True Blood at all. But Eric Eric Northman, and the only reason I know that's his character's name because there's trivia about the fact that then he just was in and starring in the movie The Northman. Yes. And there's like a little trivia thing on that. It's like, and his character in True Blood had the last name Northman. Huh? It did. I can't believe you haven't seen that. (laughs) Well, honestly, I think I can because you have so much TV to watch. Oh, yeah. No. I don't know how you keep, you can get through what you do have to watch. Right. There's too much new stuff going on all the time. I don't have time <laughs> to go back and watch older series that I missed. I know. <laughs> the trailer for She-Hulk came out. Mm-hmm. Looks really good. But yeah. I Did you notice that she's singing the jingle for Now and Later from Inside the Trunk? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I basically called her um, execution of everyone at the swimming pool her feeding frenzy. Uh-huh. <laughs> like a shark. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's blood in the water. Everywhere. Lots of it. Um, and some heads and arms and everything. <laughs> One thing we didn't touch on, I think we've touched on Owen and Abby pretty much completely. Um, we didn't t- touch on is how Thomas ends up in the hospital. Because that's really how yeah. the movie starts is an ambulance going to the hospital. Yeah, we, we they restructured just a little bit of starting the movie with 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 the the familiar character already having acidized his face. Um Yeah, this didn't look any better than the last one. It looked oh, pretty gross. Pretty pretty I, brutal. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, I thought it was an interesting choice that they started the movie having him killed and fed on, falling out the window. And then the police officer finding out that the quote unquote daughter was there, you know, seeing the Swedish version first, you know, having it very fresh in our minds while breaking these down, even though I did see this one first, but it's been so long ago that I don't remember any of my thoughts or any of this, what would happen on that, <laughs> in that movie. But, you know, I was like, with this being the first experience of this story, I wonder, like, if I might be a little confusing, like, what is happening? What is going on? But then yeah. they, cir- they circle back to it. Um uh, and give you the two weeks before. Yeah. And then yeah. and then going back to it, which Yeah, we talked about you know, when, when Abby's yelling at at him and he's even very much saying, I've I've grown tired of this, you know, maybe I wanted to get caught. I'm I'm tired, you know, he's Yeah. He's openly admitting to where he's really tired of doing this. In in, in right one we were more just you know, theorizing, I think maybe he's just getting tired of doing this, but he doesn't say it. He doesn't vocalize that. But here he definitely does. Yeah. He carries the acid. I mean, he has the acid. Only we Mm -hmm. didn't get this huge car accident. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was still a botched 
kidnap murder attempt. Uh, yeah. This one, he <laughs> fucked it up much more tremendously. Uh, he tries taking off in the car with the friend of his initial target in front yes. of everyone, which ends up crashing the car and like through a wall, like down a hill. Just bad job. Very, very bad job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when with this attempt so badly botched, yeah, there's oh, the only thing left to do is acid to the face. Yep. <laughs> and the same thing as we just as you just mentioned, he goes into the hospital. She goes there to see him. His last act of service is to give her his neck so that she can feed on him, and then mm-hmm. he plummets out the window. Yep. So that would be all my notes for him. And really, I'm trying to see if I have any other notes at all. Maybe some other Kenny stuff, uh, which we I think we've touched on most all of it. Again, yeah, Kenny's first words he speaks to Owen are, hey, little girl, which is what Owen is saying with the knife. So again, we yeah. get the confirmation that it's just him fantasizing about reversing the roles on his bully. Yeah. Uh, you know, towel whip to the face, wedgie, and then... the <laughs> pants peeing was just like it's just awful he's being tormented and you can tell that he's getting bullied by his brother and but to and, and bully someone else something I mean, has led him chain. to pick, yeah. pick owen as his target yeah. yeah it's just a continued yeah it's continuing the bullying cycle mm-hmm. creating a new bully yeah um yeah owen doesn't have to be called to the pool here in this one it's just part of the strength training he was already going to be there anyway but it's you know they still ambush him there kenny's friends are even more unimportant in this one so unimportant (laughs) mark and donald are their names there's still you get a little bit of those like tiny little bit of those hints like with the the scene in the bathroom with the pointer where they smash it like slash his face where they're you can tell they're not fully into how far kenny is taking it you know, they have the same line where he's like, how do you, you explain that to his mom? Uh, you know, you can see that they're like, mm, Kenny, maybe you're a little, little too hard on him, but Going also overboard. Yeah. But also not as, not that much. Like they're even more understated in this film than in, yeah. in the right one. <laughs> it was easy for them to just, you know, they're not, to me though, they're not just innocent bystanders. They're participants by oh, yeah. the virtue of not ever speaking up. Right. They're just letting things happen. They're watching it happen and not doing anything to stop it. Yeah. Even after the fact, even going like to the principal and saying, yeah, our friend Kenny, he's off the rails and we need to do something. But again, this was 1980. Mm -hmm. You know, things were different then than they are now. Yeah. And then, yeah, once again, we got the literal dumpster fire with Kenny's older brother being involved. And then it all kind of goes down in the same situation at the pool where it's hold your breath under for three minutes, eye for an ear, all that is the same. Yeah. I think and that then it's is, over. That's it. That's all the notes I have. Yeah. I think I've looked through <laughs> mine and I think we've covered everything. Yeah. I think we've covered everything that, that there is. We did it. <laughs> Yay! A double dip, which is always m- more work because you have to think about what the first movie was about when you're talking about the second movie yeah. and trying to connect them. And with this one, because it was so much a shot-by-shot remake, 
it made sense really to more focus on the differences. Yeah, and what how wasn't they too hard on that because it was yeah. Like I figured, a lot of our notes are like, and then this was the same, and this was the same. Mm-hmm. But they did do this different, and they showed this new information. And yeah, changed this, but then this was the same. Yeah, and this was the same. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like this one more than the other one, though, really solidified Abby being a predator. Yeah, yeah, I think it was more of a horror movie. Yeah, which is funny because. You know, uh, they marketed the original, the Swedish one, as more of a horror movie, and this one was more of a romantic kind of thing mm-hmm. is what they marketed it as. But if you really look at them, this one's more straight horror. Yeah. While the other one, I don't know, romance, maybe not the right word, but I mean, dealt with more themes of sexuality and and love yeah. and, and who people are. And so it is interesting that they were kind of marketed opposite of what they ended up really being. Yeah, I think so too. I think we have covered everything that we needed to say Mm -hmm. about the movie itself from our perspective. Yeah. I was going to wonder, like, if you have, like, to pick a preference on which one, but I don't really know because they both have their own merits for sure. I like that the Swedish version didn't shy away from the actual story from the novel. Yeah. I would probably take parts and pieces. Nothing against Chloe Grace Moretz and how she portrayed Abby, but mm-hmm. I think I prefer Ely yeah. in that role. And as far as Oscar and Owen, I kind of prefer a mix of the two for different different reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that takes some thinking. Yeah. Because then when you go to like the, the familiar character, I liked Richard Jenkins' version Me too. of this. Because it, it really built his character and the story of who he was and why he was there a lot Yes. More. I like that. I liked that that was bigger in this movie. Like mm-hmm. we got to see that he was a 12-year-old boy that she entranced mm-hmm. back when he was young. Yep. I like that we got that piece of the puzzle. So I probably would marry the two movies. Mm-hmm. And take the most, the, like, m- all of the components of the first one, but also introduce some of the components from this one into it. Like the brother being a bully to the older brother bullying Connie mm-hmm. slash Kenny. Different pieces that we just didn't get. Yeah. I'd want to include that. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, they they both, like I said, they both have a lot of their own merits that, Almost as if, like, you could combine them into one movie. I think it would have been a perfect full story. Yeah. Not to say that either one of them was really lacking in any. No. No, but I think it could have been really, like, taken it to the next level if Mm -hmm. they included some of these pieces. Yeah. They made you care a little bit more about the caretaker. Yeah. Because you understood it. We, we, We hinted at and talked about a little bit last week this, uh possible you know series that's supposed to happen tv series version yeah. of this story i don't know if they're planning on it being like a prequel sequel or if they're wanting to actually retell this exact story in series form i'm not sure what their plans are for it but but if the series was to kind of just do this story again maybe then that is a good chance for them to really include everything that needs to be included well and, it, and showtime is doing it which gives me hope mm-hmm. plus 
with everything we've seen on TV, especially Game of Thrones, not shying away from some of the really difficult subject matter, Mm -hmm. I think we could get something even more faithful, maybe, to the novel. Maybe too faithful to the novel. (laughs) We may not want that. (laughs) Right. So, I guess we'll see. I'm yeah. hoping that one of our friends will podcast about it. Uh, yeah, I, I might. If it happens and I have a time frame of when it's supposed to come out. I mean, it's definitely it's vampires. It's something yeah. to float to Rima. That's a strange yeah. show right there. It is. I might end up covering That's what it I was thinking. I- <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Because, yeah, because I think when we covered... I don't want to, it kind of spoils things, but not really at this point. It's been long enough into it. We covered Midnight Mass. Yes. Which has a lot of that. Um, and then I think Rima wants to do the, uh, you know, interview with the vampire series when that comes out. So. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. That makes sense. It's all about the vampires. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. I think we have talked this uh, story to death. So <laughs> let's bring back some life. With some really fun production notes and trivia things. Do you always find the fun stuff? I do. I do. Um, So, Hammer Films was interested in the project before the original Swedish film had even aired. They went to the 2008 Tribeca Film Festival and purchased the rights for the English language version. Thomas Alfredson, who directed the original, was offered to direct this film, but he stated, and I think I mentioned this last week, I'm too old to make the same film twice and I have other stories I want to tell. However, he was not in favor of remaking this movie at all. He feels that if one should remake a film, it's because the original is bad and I don't think mine is. Fair enough. Yeah. So, John Nordling and Carl Molander were producers on the 2008 Swedish film. They were invited to be producers on this adaptation as well, and they accepted, so they didn't have a problem with it. (laughs) According to producer Simon Oakes, the story was so great, so beautiful, that he wanted to deliver it to a wider audience, so they kept the plot similar but made other changes. Matt Reeves moved the setting from Stockholm to Mexico, to New Mexico. Matt Reeves moved the setting from Stockholm to New Mexico, renamed the lead characters. He kept the early 1980s setting. He was asked to change the lead characters' ages, but he refused, saying it would ruin the essence of this story, which is about child-like innocence. Yeah. Which absolutely Owen's innocence, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when you say the way that that's stated... It sounds like they wanted him to change them to, like, adults, which changes the entire movie. Yeah, It's no. not... Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Make another movie if you want to do that. Don't do that to this. So, as we talked about last week in the novel, Ely is actually a boy who was castrated and turned into a vampire. The original film, Ely is androgynous. Despite receiving... We do get that glimpse in that film. Mm-hmm. Um, in this installment, Abby is quite clearly a female, a deleted scene that, um, was, didn't make it to the film, obviously, cause it's a deleted scene, <laughs> shows, <laughs> Ab- <laughs> <laughs> shows Abby being bitten as a child, which turned her into a vampire. The scene was deleted because the director felt it would disturb the flow of the film, might be too intense for the viewers. 
Also in that scene, as a contrast to the original film, Abby's mm-hmm. a girl. Director Matt Reeves stated the main thing he loved about the novel, Let the Right One In, was the fact that Abby wasn't a scheming 250-year-old woman inside a 12-year-old body. Although, Paik and I beg to differ and Yeah. In some in some ways. In some ways. In some ways. Yeah. yeah. She was very much a child emotionally and has had to protect herself from getting too close with anyone. He believed Abby was testing Owen to see if he would show he cared for her and stay, or if he would get scared and stop seeing her. Again, I think Which sounds was... a little schemy. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so Matt Reeves modeled the physical appearance and personality of Abby after seeing photos of a 12-year-old homeless girl taken by Mary Ellen Mark. Moret said that the sadness of her character was decided on by her and Reeves after seeing the photos. Owen's voyeurism is a recurring theme in the film. He spies on his neighbors, Jack and Virginia, from his telescope. His neighbor who exercises at home, Abby and the father from the cracked door, Abby while she's changing clothes, the policeman from the peephole in Abby's apartment, and Kenny on several occasions, including when he's harassed by his brother in front of his friends. Note that nearly all subjects of Owen's voyeurism are murdered by Abby. True. I think uh, Jack is the only one who didn't die. Yeah. And he wasn't really watching for Jack. He wasn't interested in Jack. (laughs) No. Elias Coteus, who plays a police detective, also provides the voice of Owen's father, John. Incidentally, Elias is the name of the Abby character in the original film and novel. When Abby is barefoot in the snow, Chloe Grace Moretz was really barefoot. During filming, the crew had to heat up her feet in between takes so they didn't get too cold. The trash bag that Richard Jenkins wears over his head in the murder scenes was his idea. In the last scene on the train where Abby and Owen used Morse code, Abby said hi and Owen responded with OX, which is hugs and kisses. Despite his sadistic attitude towards Owen, it could be construed that the bully character of Kenny is a bullied character as well, given how his brother treats him in the scene he is introduced in after Owen beats Kenny with the pipe. Mm-hmm. An official comic book miniseries prequel titled Let Me In Crossroads was released after the film, which establishes the backstory of Abby and ends where the theatrical film begins. And as we reported last week and talked about a few minutes ago, there is a TV series that has been ordered at Showtime. All right. Yes. Lots of stuff. Did it. We did it. (laughs) Double dip done. Yes. (laughs) Oh. Oh. I gotta get that answered. See what people had to say about these movies and this one yes. comparisons whatever let's go see yes let's find out <laughs> all right telemarketer that was all i got on the feedback this phone this week i swear somebody's getting hold of this feedback number that doesn't exist and is putting it out to to people that shouldn't have it uh, <laughs> agreed agreed we have i don't want to hear this. about my car's extended warranty i want fans to listen in and give yes. us what their thoughts on movies. <laughs> Absolutely. Agreed. No, that's okay. Um, maybe we'll get a little bit late feedback on this one. 
it's a lot to take in. These movies are uh, something else uh, for sure. I, <laughs> they really are. I think it's two different impressions of a novel that was really dark, deep, and had subject matter that could be triggering. Mm-hmm, for sure. So, uh, yeah, if you're listening to this and did watch the movie or know of it and didn't send any feedback, we are still always happy to hear anything at all from anybody. So never be shy about giving us your thoughts at all. Uh, Definitely (laughs) not. And if you'd like to do that, if you'd like to submit your feedback, you can go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash run for your lives podcast. You can email us at run for your lives podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us on Twitter at RFYL podcast and DM us on Instagram at run for your lives podcast. If you're enjoying the show, tell your friends we're available on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much all other podcast players, including YouTube. So go to run for your lives podcast.com for all the links you'll ever need and give us a review on Apple podcasts is that's the best way to share the love and get us out there even more. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, we do, always. And speaking of sharing the love, of course, give a couple of shout-outs to what's going on in the podcast universe around us. My other podcast, Stranger Things, is what we're covering, because the podcast is called Strange Indeed. See, now that we're covering like the flagship show, I'm going to get the name all crossed <laughs> and mixed up with it. But yeah, so on Strange Indeed, we are covering Stranger Things Season 4, uh, we are getting close to the uh, first part being done. We are co- we'll be covering episode six next week. So episode five just came out, and but by the time we get to eight and nine, they will be out already. Be nice to us, don't spoil things as soon as they happen, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting there, but man, this season's been incredible. So much darker, but so much deeper too. I think, and I am really, really loving it. There's a lot to love about it. And you guys are killing it. I'm enjoying every week. Usually Rima has it up by Wednesday night. And I either listen to it on my way home from trivia or first thing on Thursday. So it's just fun to listen to you guys. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Other stuff going on. Uh, On House Podcastica and the Star Wars TV cast, we have Rich, Eric, and Jason, Jonathan, They've got their little uh, roundtable thing. I'm not sure who all is doing the next episode because it's actually going to be, they're skipping a week, I think. So you still might have to wait another week for the finale because Jason is on vacation right now. But for Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you want to go in and catch all of their coverage of episodes one through five, those are all uh, out, I believe. And yeah. So you can listen to coverage on all five of those first episodes be patient. I think it's like another week for the finale. It's going to be worth it because holy shit, that finale. Uh, <laughs> so good. My Every time, I, every week when I bring up Konobi and its coverage, it's my Star Wars heart is full. Uh, <laughs> I love it so much. So definitely check them out over there. And then also the boys, which ill inside information was as soon as I'm done recording this, that's my plan to watch is this, uh, specific episode for this (laughs) week which if you're a fan of the show and you've probably seen it by the time you're hearing this you know i'm real interested to see how this goes so that's my plan for tonight so if you are a fan of the boys you can definitely catch coverage of season three of the boys over on panels to pixels 
and TV podcast industries, as well as both of those podcasts are covering Miss Marvel on Disney Plus as well, which I also have really been enjoying. I think it's been a lot of fun. It's different for for Marvel as far as I mean, it still definitely has its Marvel feel, but it is like a younger audience. It's very teen driven teen like I'd say four teens, but not really because even me, a 30 year old man is very much enjoying the show <laughs> for its story. And it, it's building the, the, the Marvel cinematic universe in a really fun way. And there's a lot of really cool cultural stuff that's in there. And it's, it's been a blast to watch. I've really been enjoying it, but uh, let's see what else over on adrenaline cinema, Mark and Jerry talking beneath the planet of the apes this week <laughs> um, on the walking dead cast, Jason and guest Penny discussed the uh, South Korean zombie movie. That's on Netflix. Hashtag alive. This was the first time I've watched this movie. This one's like been kind of on my radar, but I hadn't seen it until I watched it to listen to their coverage on the episode. And I had a blast with it. It's 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 a unique unique take on the zombie flick for sure. And South it Korea is. does their stuff really fun. So expect that to probably show up on this podcast eventually yes, at some point. I feel please. like <laughs> it's on my list. <laughs> yeah, I'd rewatch it. I'd revisit that one for our own discussion on it later because, yeah, that was a fun one. So if you have seen it and want to check out some coverage on it now before we get to it later. Walking Dead cast got that covered this week, and it's a great conversation between Jason and Penny there. And then lastly, over on Wilhelm, Ben and his uh, reunited with his lost podcast host, Kristen, and she's coming in with him to cover their episode on their favorite TV dads for Father's Day this past weekend. So go check out what they thought were their favorite television father figures. <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, love to give a little tease on what's going on next week right here on Run For Your Lives. What we got. Okay. So when Jay meets and starts dating the handsome, attentive Hugh, she thinks she's met the most wonderful guy. That is, until after they have sex, he chloroforms her, ties her to a chair, and before disappearing, shows her that she'll now be terrorized by an entity that takes many forms and will do anything to touch you and suck out your life force. Talk about the mother of all STDs. So next week, we are continuing with another creepy film, with 2015's It Follows. This movie was written and directed by David Robert Mitchell. And I really liked it because it was something different. Yeah, it's really unique. Another one that had been on my radar for a while, and it wasn't until we were like, let's cover it on here that I finally watched it and we discussed it. And I had I had an interesting time with that one for sure. So yeah, give us your feedback on it. Have you seen it? Let us yes. know what you think. It's a good one. Validate me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that I continue to get to expose you to some of these movies that you should have seen. Uh, It's like, shame on you for not seeing that before now, but I'm glad you haven't because it's always fun to hear your impressions knowing it was your first run through. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) And with that, we've reached the end of another bloody episode. Thanks everyone for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Paik. And if you have to run... You better run for your lives. Bye-bye.